Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's uh, my pleasure now to uh, introduce to the show uh, Steve Lancaster, of course, uh, and don't be fooled by the fact that sun, surf and uh, cricket is still very much on the agenda because Super Rugby Pacific is only days away from kickoff. So while the professionals look to start their 2024, no doubt, many of you around the country will be keel over and scorching temperatures trying to get your own rig back in some sort of nick for your own club rugby footy at some point. And with that timing in mind, New Zealand Rugby this week confirmed Community Rugby in New Zealand is set to trial a 20-minute red card replacement for the next two seasons, joining three other innovations we've already known about uh, aiming to offer safer and more positive experiences for anyone who steps on the park. Steve's been good enough to join us. He's uh, sitting up there in our Auckland studio, uh, of course, the GM of Community Rugby at NZR. Steve, thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, morning, Steve. Good to join you. Yeah, uh, cool, man. Right, oh, let, let's uh, look at um, at these uh, four then. Um, and the red card one, we, we just mentioned that, the 20-minute replacement rule. We've seen that in the past. You're bringing that in at those levels. Yeah, that's right. We're just uh, really looking to align uh, what we see in the professional game with the community game so we have the same uh, application to the, of the red card throughout all levels of the game. We think it will uh, improve the game and improve people's experience of the game as as we believe it's done at the professional level. Oh, I think no better example than maybe a World Cup final to, to illustrate that. We're obviously on the wrong side of it, but it's just common sense, isn't it? And for the good of the spectacle of the game as well as, as the safety and everything else? Yeah, we think it is. I mean, I don't think anyone enjoys it when you, when you see a player sent from the field, particularly early in a game, and it, it influences the course of the game. And yes, there needs to be a consequence for foul play or illegal play, um, but there are means of dealing with that for the individual after the game without necessarily ruining the entire game, be it the spectacle for the uh, spectators or the, the, the game itself for those that are that are on the pitch. So what is that going to mean in terms of uh, at community level? I understand the rule of it. Uh, we're going to have to have people involved with watches and all that sort of thing a little bit more closely. Is that how it works? Yeah, well, it's. I mean, and again, one of the things we're really cognizant of and with all of our game innovations is the impact on referees. And what we try to do is actually make the game easier for the referees to officiate, not harder, because, you know, as, as we all know, at community level, we're dealing with volunteers, not full-time professionals. And so, yeah, it's one more thing, I guess, in terms of um, having to, to me, uh, manage the 20-minute um, period before a player can replace the red-carded player. Uh, but we also um, believe that it will make decision-making a little bit easier for referees because you, you know at the, the back of everyone's mind that if if you send a player from the field and they're gone for the rest of the game, that's a really big call uh, and, it, and it can be a tough decision to make. So hopefully knowing that it's a there's a 20-minute turnaround and then that player can be replaced will actually simplify the decision-making for the ref. Would you have any idea how global this is or uh, is being in, it looked at? So at the moment we're the only nation that are doing it as far as I'm aware. Um, but it's not the first time that we've gone first on, on game innovations, right? So we were the first country to go with the, um, the, the below the sternum uh, tackle height as well, and now World Rugby have endorsed that, and there's a range of trials around the globe. Um, and, and we're hopeful that you know, if we if we can prove the case over the next season or two that, that this works, uh, then other countries will follow suit. But uh, if I'm honest, our, our motivations are, um, with this innovation at the community level is, is purely domestic at this stage. 
Okay, right. Let's since you brought it up, let's talk about this uh, sternum level. Um, so, um, one of the other of the four that you're bringing in is reduced tackle height to below sternum, targeting the belly area for all community rugby grades. Uh, the first tackler, this is the interesting one. The first tackler uh, below the sternum must target that belly area. The second tackler arriving below the shoulders in accordance with the current law. Um, that is. It's it's an, it's going to be an interesting one to police. Like they all are, heights are always um, subjective. But the rival time of the second one, and that's going to, it's going to be an interesting one as it plays out, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and again, you know, there's a hell of a lot of subjectivity in a game of rugby. Um, and, and yeah, so it's you know, there's always going to be an element of. Um, you know, referees' judgment in particular in making these calls. But our primary consideration in um, ruling for the, the first tackler to be below the sternum and then any subsequent tackler to, to be able to tackle at the existing height is to try and avoid head clashes behind the body um, where you have a double tackler situation. The majority of tacklers uh, tackles are single tackler situations. So in reality, what we're saying is that uh, tackles are below the sternum. But in the case where there's a two-man tackle uh, or a gang tackle, then we're just put, trying to um, prevent the you know the the likelihood of players having head collisions behind the body. How accepted has this been? I mean, do you, you do this as a result of of surveys, or do you get a lot of feedback on this? I mean, mm-hmm. ha- have you had any resistance to this this one coming in? We actually haven't. Um, the, the 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 tackle height trial was in play last year, and. Um, and we surveyed participants at the end of the season. We also uh, captured and analysed a lot of match footage, and, and there were two things that we found through that work. The first is that the participants uh, didn't find that it um, was a difficult adjustment to make, and yeah, certainly there was a little bit of adjustment early in the season as players and referees got their heads around it. But um, but basically, you're, you're lowering the tackle height by about six inches, right? So it's not a, it's not a massive change um, for the benefit in terms of the, you know, removing that that risk to the head area. Um, and the second thing we found was in um, doing the match analysis is that um, the the adjustment was made really quickly, right? So there were very few tackles that were in the legal height through the season. Right, okay. So I, one of the things uh, I can perceive is people having the odd issue with is simultaneous arrival of tacklers. There's going to be a fine line there, isn't there? Yeah, there is, and that's the point I was making just before, really, around the subjectivity, right? So referees will have to make those decisions as to who's the first tackler. Again, it's it's not that common that you have two tacklers tackling absolutely simultaneously. Um, and if they do, you know, to be honest, the simplest thing is for them both to go lower. Um, you know, there's no rule that says that the second tackler or any subsequent tackler must tackle higher than the sternum. We're just providing that little bit of scope. Um, so, you know, if in doubt, uh, tackle below the sternum would be my advice. Yep. Okay. Right. Uh, the halfback. Now, this has been uh, quite successfully trialled anyway. But the halfback offside at scrum for all community grades. They can't go past the tunnel until the scrum has ended. So that's put in concrete. And they, uh, choo- if they choose to stay in front of the, their own number eight's foot uh, or feet, that they can't. They have to stay within a metre of the scrum. Okay. So you can just explain the log- logic of, of around that. Yeah. So and this one has got more of a more of a lens towards the appeal of the game um, and allowing the game to flow. And um, so the, the idea is to stop that you know that that niggly little um, defending halfback you know, following the ball around and then you know slapping it down or just stopping the flow of play so that you end up with reset scrums uh, quite often. And so we're trying to get away from you know reset scrum after reset scrum and allow the game to flow. 
um, and this is probably of all of the game innovations the one that's been most warmly received by the participants so coaches and players really like this one straight out of the box and um, so we've extended the trial for another year we'll do more analysis um, and review this year and then we may look to bake it in um, as a permanent fixture rather than a trial but yeah, as I say that one's the one that's certainly been the most warmly received Right, okay, and one of the interesting ones for me is uh, around the scrum because uh, what you're saying uh, uh, for the scrums at community grade except senior premier rugby, the maximum amount of push in any scrum uh, in terms of its distance will be 1.5 metres. Um, are, we, are we looking at a depowering of scrums here or, we, or the dominance of scrums here? or is it, how, how, Why has this been brought in? I'm really glad you asked that, actually. It's a great question, and it's one that, that's often asked about around this innovation, and um, the answer the answer is a, a categorical no. So, um, was, you know, you, you can still dominate the scrum for that first metre and a half, and in a pushover um, try situation within five metres of line, then you can, a dominant scrum can achieve a pushover try. So, the, um, the you know, a strong scrum is still very much an asset and a very much a feature of the game, but... Um, the primary consideration behind that innovation is, in fact, what we're observing is that it's getting harder and harder um, for teams to field uh, full and competitive front rows, right? And so we, um, what we want to try and do is make it easier and more feasible for more players to play in the front row. And so we think be- below the premier grades, um, you know, having that limit on how far the scrum can be pushed just stops, um, you know, it stops tr- um, scrums being being pushed all over the all over the park and a dominant scrum just sort of mauling the opposition into submission, um, while preserving the ability for a dominant scrum to still play a, a role in the game. So you know, if you get that one and a half meter shove on um, and, and in the general area of the field that's a significant area right like if you if you take a stride out a metre and a half that's a reasonably significant push uh, and again within within uh, striking distance of the try line push over scrums are still going to be scored Okay so if I'm uh, part of a, a relatively strong scrum and we're camped on our own line we still, uh, as opposed to the goal line, is it's the opposition goal line. Uh, we can only go one point five metres. Yeah? yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And if you do that, you're going to push them off their ball. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Let, let's just look at um, a couple of our other general matters, Steve. While we've got you here, I, I know it's early days and club registrations, etc., are still underway. A lot of pre-season training is as well. Any indication on rugby numbers at the moment? No, it's really too early to say at this stage. Some of the you know, clubs are only just really starting to think about um, or, or promote reg- the registration window. So um, at this stage, you know, we've got it, we've got registrations trickling in, but there's no way we can really compare that with any other point in time. Do you have this is something we talk about in the pub every now and then? Because people say, why is club rugby finished so early in a couple of areas? You know, because they like to keep the club thing going. They like to keep the players still active, etc. A lot of club competitions seem to finish really, really early compared to the day perhaps when you played. Um, do you have any um, ruling over that? Any say over that, or is left up to the individual union? And what would you recommend there? We leave it up to the individual unions, and that's why there is some um, variety variance around the country in terms of when club competitions both start and finish. Um, there are two factors in, in that, particularly in, in relation to those that finish early. And the first is um, that we do have a lot of control over the the NPC competition window, and you know one of the um, things that really challenges. Club rugby, as their competitions go longer, is that you get NPC players who might have been competing uh, throughout the duration of the competition getting pulled out as they're, they're being drawn into NPC pre-season fixtures and, and um, programme preparation. Uh, so that's one factor. A lot of provincial unions will, will finish their club season earlier so that they just avoid 
uh, that issue and can have their NPC players available right through to the finals. The other factor is, and again, listening to the participants, what we're what we're hearing and observing is that um, a lot of today's you know, modern uh, participants don't want a really long club season, right? They're happy to be in and out in 10, 12 weeks, uh, play their season and, and, then, and then be done with it, right? So again, society's evolving, you know, people's lifestyles and preferences are evolving and so you know, provincial unions listen to their people and they make decisions accordingly. As you said, thanks for that. As, as um, you said, you haven't really got any idea on numbers yet, so it's a wee bit too early, but is there an area, um, and we've talked about this coach-type level where kids leave the secondary school supervision stage, then have to make their own mind up about going to a club, etc., where you're starting to perhaps, uh, they're starting to perhaps drift away from the game. Is that, is that something that is still on your mind? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, two two big drop-off areas for us, and, and, and none of them are new. Um, uh, the first is the transition from uh, non-contact to contact rugby, so the point where um, where the only rugby that's available is tackle rugby. That's a that's a significant drop off, and we've seen a lot of provincial unions are embedding um, non contact grades uh, for longer, and that's and that's certainly improving retention at a, at a younger age. Uh, and then you know towards the end of the high school years, and actually not so much the the, um, the the last year of school to the first year out of school, but it's actually one or two years before that where players are recognising that they may not be in contention for their first fifteen, or maybe their school doesn't offer rugby because there aren't sufficient numbers and they're dropping away there so um, yeah we're doing a lot of work along with our provincial unions on um, offering other um, ways for those sort of those players to continue to participate so we're looking at the tournament weeks and the school holidays and offering festival type events and that sort of thing Steve fantastic uh, thanks for popping I, I know you don't have to walk far from your office which is great hey but thanks so much we, we do we do appreciate you clarifying those um, those new rules and uh, the issues that are confronting you at the moment. Wish you all the best for the forthcoming season, which, of course, um, in terms of Super Rugby starts uh, this weekend. Uh, but your your side of things will be close in behind. Thank, thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Smithy. Always a pleasure.